0: Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations Podcast. I am your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who's helped thousands of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent five-figure months and then on to six and seven figure years without burning out in the process. Content. When I say content, how do you feel? Excited? Nervous? Yeah, or maybe somewhere in between. You see, content is an absolute necessity for business survival, and I personally have grown each of my businesses by creating content for my audience. But it's not just content that you need. It needs to be thought out. It needs to meet your audience where they're at, but it also needs to be created strategically for what your goals are for your business. Most businesses I consult with, either my one-to-one clients, my mastermind clients, or my group coaching clients are on the right track when they first start working with me in regards to creating the content. You see, they're creating and distributing content, but the problem we're seeing is they aren't seeing the results and it's left making them feel a bit deflated and frustrated. Why? Because not all content is created equal. Why? There has to be strategy. So if you're putting effort And time to create and distribute content. You don't have a strategy, you're in luck. Because today I'm bringing on the amazing Janet Murray, all the way from the UK, where she's going to share with us the three types of content that will make you more sales. It is a jam-packed episode, so get ready for awesomeness. But before we get started, this episode is sponsored by my Instagram Mastery for Business Owners with Angela Henderson, a step-by-step program for getting visible, getting booked, and growing your business with Instagram, all for a one-time payment of $27. Many business owners struggle to understand Instagram and are left, again, feeling overwhelmed, not too sure what to post, throwing spaghetti at a wall, But in my new program, Instagram Mastery for Business Owners, you're going to learn about how to get started with Instagram, how to nail your Instagram bio, four ways to use Instagram for business growth, what types of content you should post on Instagram, understanding what time to post on Instagram, optimizing your content with hashtags, how to plan and schedule your content on Instagram, and how to measure your data and results with Instagram. There's one module for each of the topics, and it goes for about only 10 to 15 minutes. So it's super quick, super powerful, and really easy to implement. Not to mention, this program also comes with four amazing bonuses, my 30-day guide of different Instagram content ideas, my 30 call-to-actions guide, my 10 free stock images guide, my ideal client guide. You can grab my Instagram mastery for business owners, a step-by-step program for getting visible, getting booked and growing your business for $27 by simply heading to AngelaHenderson.com.au, click on the work with me button. And from there, click Instagram mastery for business owners for $27 and you'll be on your way. Now let's hop in to today's amazing episode. Welcome to the show, Janet.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: It is so awesome to have you on the show. As I was saying before we pressed the record button, you and I initially met out in the Philippines when we were in a mastermind at Chris Decker's event. And as I was driving home from this networking event and I was like, when was the last time I actually spoke to Janet? It was pretty much almost four years. So uh, I'm glad to have you on the podcast. But I also just want to say, Janet, it's been really beautiful to see you grow over the last four years with your business. Uh, Personally, your personal brand has just taken off not only in the UK, but globally. And uh, yeah, it's just awesome to see you kicking out. So well done for everything you've been doing over the last four years.
1: Oh, thank you. And it's really nice to speak again. We're just having a bit of a catch up, weren't we? And it's yeah, really nice to catch up.
0: You just to be able to catch up and really just pick up, you know, like there wasn't really that, like, oh, weird and awkward silence. It was like, how are you? What's going on? We were talking about your running. And speaking of running, I always like to ask a fun question, Janet, when my guests come onto the podcast. And I know you are a hardcore runner. Like I look at you, I'm like, damn, Janet is like, she's good. She's really good. So I know you've done some amazing races because I've seen some photos around the world. You've got these really great medals. I know you do your park runs. So just so the audience gets to know a little bit about you, what is your all time favorite race and why?
1: I guess I would have to say the London marathon. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've done it. I've completed it four times, uh, but I've actually attempted it five times. I think I've got that right. Um, But a couple of years ago, it was the hottest London marathon on record in the UK. Mm -hmm. And I just like got 10 miles in, felt really, really unwell, just just and just just pulled up and decided I was pulling out which was like I was so hot I was feeling so unwell and so although I love it I kind of hate it at the same time so I I had to go back the next year and finish it in fact I did a marathon did the Liverpool marathon which is in the north of England like a few weeks later because I just couldn't stand the fact I'd pulled out of it Uh, but yeah it was the hottest London marathon on record and us uh Brits we're not good well
0: (laughs) not you're not not good with the hot weather I'm not
1: good with the hot weather and I just felt dreadful. I didn't know. I I thought I'd done twelve I think I thought I'd done 10 miles and I'd actually done 12. That was kind of how confused I was. And yeah, so that was awful. So I love the London Marathon and hate it at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Love hate relationship.
0: Now, how much does racing play a role in your business success or your mental status, you know, to to grow that business? Does it have much of an impact or not really?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I run probably or exercise five or six times a week. um, and I think you'll know this when you're running your own business it's it's just intense isn't it and it's just like it's not a nine-to-five job you're on it all the time. <laughs> no. your mind's going as well um and actually I've recently been um diagnosed with ADHD as well which is probably a whole other podcast um but um so so exercise has been a kind of it's really helped me to kind of Keep on top of my head and keep my mind in order, and and kind of switch off at the end of the day. So I tend to go out running or doing some kind of exercise at the end of the day. I know some people do it at the beginning, mm-hmm. but it really helps. It just keeps me kind of keeps me sane,
0: <laughs> keeps you calm. Yeah, listen, you're talking to someone with ADHD, and I believe ADHD there's a superpower in us, but I also think it can also be our worst enemy at times. You know, uh, when we <laughs> wow, I didn't
1: know I didn't know that. I, I, yeah, I'd never so, heard you so that yeah, before.
0: so I haven't. I mean, I do talk a little bit, probably more about my anxiety and depression that I've had. I've been in remission for two and a half years now from that, from some workplace bullying in my primary job before I kind of went full time. And yeah, but yeah, no, but the ADHD, again, it's, it's strong. It's real. I have to work exceptionally hard to make sure that I stay on track and, you know, so I can appreciate, you know, um, having to have an outlet, right? Because uh, again, our brains don't seem to really shut off sometimes. Well, mine doesn't, I can't speak for you, but uh, yes, mine, mine definitely doesn't. And so when you're kind of running, also working through your own ADHD, running a very successful do business. Can you just tell us briefly a little bit about, you know, where you started and where you are today?
1: yeah so I actually started life as a school teacher actually so I taught um, English um, in secondary schools in the UK and um, I didn't hate it or anything I, I quite enjoyed it but I, I found quite quickly I was I was quite burnt out quite quickly I was working really really long hours like if anyone's ever worked in teaching it's the hardest job I've ever done like You're <laughs> on your feet all day you're working with kids who so can be really challenging I was working with secondary aged kids uh, so 11 to 18 mm-hmm. and then I was going home and planning and marking books and and whatever and it just felt too much early on so I decided to retrain and become a journalist um so that really suited me and I think particularly having kind of like a low attention span as well um I you know with with journalism you're often only ever you're often only ever working on one assignment at a time right. um so you you know you obviously you might be balancing different things but you get one assignment done then you move on to the next one mm-hmm. um it's quite kind of fast pace um you, the deadlines are quite kind of um short you know and so you if, if you're the kind of person like i was who was you know at school you got your homework done on the last minute then it works yep. really well for you um, yep. and then I, I kind of, um, so I really enjoyed journalism. I did it for like 18 years and I was freelance the whole time because I never wanted to be kind of tied down to a particular organization. But I wrote for national newspapers like The, the Guardian. Um, and I used to get offered, like people used to approach me and, and pay me to do cons- consultancy to help them to get press coverage so I would get Mm -hmm. like organizations because I specialize in education and politics so education organizations would approach me could you come and do some trainings and consultancy show us how to deal with the press and then I started to think to myself you know this stuff's good it's a lot more well paid than journalism Um, so I kind of thought how can I get more of this stuff and how can I get people to kind of find me beyond my current network so I started blogging about it just like lots of people I just kind of fell into it I started this blog where I shared stuff like you know how to get press coverage how to write press releases Mm -hmm. that got me interested in search engine optimization so I'm going to write this blog how to get people to find it that got me into email marketing and social media and suddenly I was like oh actually maybe I could make some money out of this maybe I could I could sell online courses or memberships and and so it all kind of just you know and I got to the point where I was I was starting to get a bit bored of journalism i was starting to feel like I needed a new challenge Mm -hmm. so I kind of gradually started to build this online business up which was around you know initially press and PR and teaching people how to get their own press coverage I started a podcast which I've still got now I've pivoted the podcast along with my my focus um, and um, I wrote a book about it and I'm speaking about it and then one of the things we just spoke about this before that I found quite frustrating is like if I was to move to Australia where you're based tomorrow or Canada or whatever, I would use exactly the same strategies to get press coverage because it's mm. just a strategy or, or a framework. Yes. But I found that people would often, and I and I was, you know, I'm a speaker as well. So I wanted to get booked on to speak on international stages, but I found that sometimes it was a bit limiting because people would say, ah, oh, yes, but you know how the press works in the UK and right. context, but what about, you know, uh, more widely. And the other thing as well that I started to to realize is that press and PR really only works. Like if you're doing your other content well, so, you know, it's almost like
0: it's a part of the puzzle, but not all of the puzzle
1: yeah and you know you could get a really great piece in a national newspaper or be in the radio or the tv but it actually then if people go to your website and then there's nothing there there's no content or there's nothing you know you don't have much of a following on social media you don't have much of an online presence then it's kind of like a wasted opportunity mm. so I started to realize that this content piece you know because press and PR it's just a form of content that, exactly you know, it's on, on someone else's platform I started to realize that actually if I wanted to really help people to get big results because people would get press coverage and and they'd be really happy with it but like well where are all the sales like why am I not getting loads of sales? <laughs> um, and and so I wanted to help people like be really honest with them about like what it actually takes and for me I mean the media has changed a lot but but you you don't you can be your own media now like you don't have to get coverage in somebody else's publication or somebody else's platform you can create your own platform platform your own media your own publishing house I think Gary V calls it Mm -hmm. Um, and actually that can be much more powerful if you're creating your own platform your own content Uh, you're not relying on you know a journalist to say yes or no or an editor to say yes or no to you or a tv producer like it it, you you are in control of of how you grow this content platform so I started to sort of gradually teach more of that and then I kind of thought you know what I just really I, I just really love teaching this content in a broader way. Mm-hmm. And the thing that people used to say to me all the time was the phrase I used to hear was, I need to build my audience. I need to build my audience. I need to build my audience. And, you know, I need to have more followers. I need more subscribers. I need my platform to be bigger. I need more podcast listeners. I need more YouTube subscribers, whatever it might be. And that was the phrase that I kept hearing. I need to build my online audience. Mm-hmm. So that's really where I've taken it. So nowadays I help people to build online audiences. So that's generally more followers, more fans, more subscribers. I'm completely cross-platform. And how do you build your audience? You build your co- your audience through great content. So I'm using the same set of skills, you know, the, the journalism skills, you know, understanding what makes great content, what's engaging to people and what isn't, uh, but just applying that to building online audiences. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yes, no, 100%. And I like that again, really some of those skills that you had as a journalist, like you said, are, have been able to be transferable skills. And I think often people forget about that. You, know, you may have worked in a corporate job doing X, Y, and Z, but those skills still, if you think about it strategically, can still come into your business in some way, shape, or form. So you know, what a great opportunity for you to capitalize on what you've learned in the world of journalism. And again, we're going to talk about great content because I'll hold that thought, right? Because there's mm-hmm. content and that there's shit content, there's quality content, Janet, right? So I yeah. think, yeah, hold that thought, because it's a question I've got for you. But I know today, we're obviously wanting to talk about sales, because I think a lot of people Well, I don't think I know a lot of people to me, I need more sales, I need more sales, I need more sales, well, we all need more sales. I mean, really, we all love more sales. Who doesn't? We all want to increase our revenue to some point. But there's It's not just typically about the sales. You can't just be salesy. You can't just jump. I always say it's about like asking someone for sex, right? You can't just go from going, hey, Janet, nice to meet you in the bar, or not even Janet. Hey, you stranger, meet me in the bathroom for a quickie. So it's like, hey, Janet, how are you? Can I get your phone number? Can I text message you? Can I take you out for dinner? It's a, it's a process, and I think again, yeah. warming your audience with great content before you go in for the jugular for the sale, right? Is similar. Is, would you agree or disagree with that?
1: Totally, and that's the way that I often explain it to people. Yeah. <laughs> it is like asking somebody to, you know, asking somebody to bed on a first day, and the, the question I often ask people is is you know have you ever bought anything cold off a Facebook ad for example I think I've bought two things so I've bought this running belt this thing that I carry my phone in when I'm running and it was just exactly the thing that I needed but of course it wasn't random because I was targeted because of my interest but that's a Mm. whole other conversation (laughs) Um, and I also bought this beanie hat for running so like I bought this this hat like because I used to find that my hat used to fall off my head uh, because I've got really thick hair and mm-hmm. I, I saw this ponytail hat where you can loop your ponytail through but again that wasn't that wasn't cold because I've been targeted because you know obviously Facebook targets me because it knows totally. what pages I look at and subscribe to totally so it's not cold at all actually but that's the the question I often ask people is like you know do you buy stuff of for Facebook ad probably you can count on the number of You know, on on your your fingers, how many times you've done that? Because most of us, you know, we need to get to know a a person. We need to get to know the brand. We don't, you know, we need some time. Like we need to get to know them. We need to get awareness of who they are, what they do, what the brand's all about. And we need to go on a bit of a journey with people. And I think what people try and do is they fast forward the journey and they go straight to the sale. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the way that I encourage people to do it is to create content that meets people on the stage of the journey that they're at so making sure you've always got content for people you know if people have known you for a while they've been in your space for one they're ready to buy you've got content for those people but you've also got content for people to bring new people in who maybe don't know about you don't know anything about your business your brand how you help people you've got that content for them but then you've also got people content for the people that are on the fence and I can kind of take you through those three types of content if that's helpful
0: Um, but there's one so go, go, go ahead. No, no, that will be super helpful. There's just a few things that I kind of want to lay the foundations of before we jump straight to those three types, because my thing is I just want to describe you and I, because we've been in this space for a long time, we know what content is. There's different types of content, but for the listeners, especially for the new ones that could be listening to this is, can you just define like, what does content mean to you?
1: Yeah. So it's really difficult, isn't it? Because it probably means something different to everybody, doesn't it? But for me, it's something that you, that you publish, which is designed to engage somebody in, in some way you know to, to build a relationship with them so it can be written content it can be video it can be a podcast it could be an infographic uh, it could be I'm trying to think of other forms of content that you you might create um, what else is what other things might you do is all sorts of things leaflets it could be a website copy you know it's, it's anything that you create any kind of um, communication that you create which is aimed to, to help you build a relationship with somebody does that does that kind of make sense 100 yeah,
0: percent. i just always kind of like just because like i said i i never want to assume that all the listeners understand so i was kind of like let's lay the kind of benchmark so that because you and i are very similar about what we're talking about and with content janet how important is content for both service-based and product-based businesses from a growth perspective you know i guess if i take it one step further is you know um you know is not with content like Is it like quality content? Is it just content? Like how important is it for both of those kind of businesses to be able to produce, you know, good content?
1: Equally important. And I get asked the question all the time, you know, does your advice apply to, uh, in my case, often product-based businesses? People can see how it applies to service-based businesses, uh, but they can't necessarily see how it applies to products or how it might be important. But actually, even with products, it's even more important. And I sell, I can give you lots of examples as we go, because I sell products. I have a media diary that I sell a physical product uh, and I've got lots of, I've got a number of physical products and the approach is exactly the same. It's about understanding that customer journey, understanding, you know, that somebody, when they first come across you or your brand or your product or service, you know, they're probably not ready to buy and they need to get to know you. So for me, content is about, it's about getting to know you. It's about replicating online that net you said you just came from a networking event you know when we meet people in person you know you don't just run up to them do you and go buy my stuff buy my stuff <laughs> come and work with me you, you you know you have a conversation with them you you listen to them you try and find a bit more about them you know you, you try and understand what their problems are and then that's when you start to move towards that conversation about how your product or service might might you know but you don't start selling stuff to people without really understanding them or, you know, so for me, content is about really understanding people and understanding, you know, whether your product or service might be a, a good fit for them, um, getting to know each other. Does that kind of
0: make sense? Yeah, totally. And to take it, I guess that one step further, a lot of people will be going, yeah, well, I'm producing content. I produce content every day, Janet, right? Mm-hmm. But there's content and then there's content, Janet, let's be honest. Do you know what I mean? There's like content and then it's like content on steroids, right? Is it like how, how important it is? Like I I'm from the basis of about, I'd rather produce three quality pieces of content than 20 pieces of shit. What are your thoughts? Like how important is quality versus quantity?
1: like totally totally agree like it's better to do like one blog post or one podcast a month but really make it good and and also really promote it as well a lot of people just pump out content you know they 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 create a blog post and they put it out once and they never revisit it it's better to do you know one really good piece of content uh less frequently but actually it'd be a really good quality piece of content but crucially promote the hell out of it and get it in front of as many people as possible that that would always be my view
0: and i also would go one step further on that if you're producing a quality podcast or a quality youtube do you know i mean video or a blog article learn how to optimize it Learn what those yep. keywords are, learn so that it's, it, uh, I call it spike marketing is a word that I've kind of, I don't necessarily think I've coined it, but I use it as that when you post a blog or a YouTube or whatever, after that first time, it's like you get spiked traffic, right? So it's like it's been marketed and mm-hmm. you get that spike in traffic and then it just kind of goes away. I think you've put all that hard work into producing this really great piece of quality content and then it just on like, lays dormant unless you keep repurposing it and you've got it like almost yeah. on like a scheduled Uh, promotional tool, right? So my thing is, is learn how to optimize it. Because once you learn how to optimize it, you not just have not you don't see the spikes, you'll start to see regular traffic constantly. So you're getting to me a very more holistic approach about how your content can be used for you long term and not just short term.
1: Yeah, totally. And and like I say, I think so many people create a piece of content and then they're just on to the next thing it's much better to think well how can I repurpose it how can I take this blog post and turn it into social media posts how could I take this email you know I, I repurpose a lot of my email marketing for example and turn it into social media posts and sales pages and all sorts it, it's taking every piece of content and thinking how can I almost like wring it dry mm-hmm. <laughs> so that yeah. I can turn it into as many different pieces of content as many different formats as well the other thing we have to remember is that you know we both like podcasts because we're podcasters and we like listening to podcasts not everybody likes podcasts. So how can we take that information and present it in a way that will appeal to somebody who prefers video or prefers written content or infographics or whatever, which can sound quite exhausting, yeah. uh, but actually in the long time, it does, it does save you time.
0: Well, I was I think again, it's about about before, I mean, in my opinion, before you start creating content, I always like to tell my clients is like, survey your audience, figure out how they're consuming content. Because if 90% of your audience is predominantly consuming podcasts, And you decided to go start a YouTube channel, you potentially could be utilizing all this time, money and resources to get a YouTube channel up and your people aren't actually there. So I always say, you know, determine how they're consuming information, start kind of with one platform and then work your way up. You don't have to hit all of them at one time, but just know where your audience is sitting and how they're consuming it. Because if not, you know, you could be doing all this work and not reap any of the benefits. To secure your ticket, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au today.
1: Yeah, and I think there's another factor as well to take into consideration. So people will often ask me, I have a class actually in my Build Your Online Audience program, which is choose your platform. So it's about, you know, deciding whether you do YouTube or podcast or blog or whether you do Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And people will often, they just want me to tell them what's the right one like tell me that, that tell me that youtube is better than a podcast like, tell me that a blog post is better than you know they want me to tell you know they want me to just give them all the research and say youtube is best for you but it isn't best for you if you if you die every time you have to go on video which means that you exactly keep skipping I do weeks you know you keep skipping weeks because you find it so painful or or the whole process of getting a youtube video on is just so painful for you um you know you might be better to do a podcast if that's the case or you know if if um you think podcasting is great because you've, your friends had success with that, but uh, but actually you know, you're really shy or you find it, you would, I think it's got to be something that you also can show up and do regularly and you feel comfortable with. And stick at. Yeah. I think that's really important too.
0: It, it not, cause just, then again, the energy is going to come and you're more likely just to give up. Right. So again, exactly, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally valid point to say, not only how are they consuming it, but how it, does that content you're creating light you up? You know, are you motivated yeah. to create it? Cause if not, again, it's not going to be quality. It's going to be shit. Yeah. Now for, you're going to be inconsistent. 100%. And that was me with podcasting. I was just like, okay, if I'm going to do this, A, I, I paid up front for six months with my podcast team. So I knew that I was like, even if I get to six months, I've beat the average of, I think, seven seven podcasts before yeah. people start dying. Um, but it was like, okay, seven months, I can test to see if this truly lights me up. And clearly it does. So uh, you know, with content though, is all content created equal? Or do business owners need to be thinking about different content depending on the different stages of the buying journey that their customers are on?
1: Yeah, totally. And I think it's also worth saying as well, I unfortunately I saw, see a lot of business owners who who think that just posting content is enough, you know, just mm-hmm. showing up and putting it on the schedule. Like you get some people, um, you get different types of, types of people, I think. Um, and you get some people who who are really consistent um they plan everything they schedule everything but actually their content isn't very engaging but they'd mm-hmm. rather just get it done <laughs> than actually have people engaging with it and sometimes you get people that I would probably put myself more in this camp That I mean I am really consistent I've I've published 400 I've just recorded my 414th podcast episode so I am so consistent. fun <laughs> but I'm not a massive like months ahead planner or whatever. I would rather create something spontaneously on the day and it'd be really good and really engaging and people respond to me because that's the key thing as well. You know, putting out content, you know, I see people say on LinkedIn, for example, who, who post something every day, but it's shit. No one ever, you know, (laughs) no one ever engages with it. And if, and if everything you put out, if, if nobody ever feels moved to say, Oh, wow, that's interesting. Or, you know, this is what I think then, it can actually be a bit of a waste of time, but you think you've done it because you've put it on the schedule and you've you, you've set, you know you've set it up in a tool like Buffer or Hootsuite or whatever. You think you've done it, you've ticked it off your to do list, but actually that content's really ineffective. So I think um, the engagement thing is so important. And you know, obviously, I teach people about audience building, but you could have an audience of two hundred people that's super engaged and replies to you and has conversations with you about everything you post, you could have, you know, there was an example actually of an Instagrammer who had like a million followers and then tried to launch a t-shirt range and couldn't sell a t-shirt. You know, so, it's not about the size that I think it's the engagement, you know, does the content you put out engage people. But um, so hopefully that's helpful too. But then I can talk about the different types of content that tend to engage people and and we can kind of go from there. I
0: totally agree with you in regards to numbers. I would rather, I think there's actually a book or an article about like you're better off having a hundred true fans than you are to have a million, right? Because those hundred true fans will potentially buy from you, but they also become your marketers for you. Um, I know one of my uh, one-to-one clients, they're like two of them, they're partners that are working together with me. And one of the things they just launched their Instagram account, we're putting together their Instagram strategy, their numbers are super small, like I think they've got less than 100 followers, but they've already had seven leads just from Instagram, right? Because of the content that they're putting out. It's quality, there's a call to action, we've got appropriate hashtags, they're getting to the DM, we're getting the conversions, right? So again, it just goes to show in that example, like numbers don't mean everything it's it's they they truly don't and it's about getting that conversion really at the end of the day you're creating content to create conversation and connection and conversations and connection equal conversions because if you don't have conversions you're not going to really be in business long
1: Exactly. And a sign that your content isn't, isn't working very well is if people aren't responding, if they're not commenting, if they're not sending you follow-up messages, then you know there's something that needs to change about your, your content. So it
0: needs uh, a little bit of help there.
1: It needs a bit of help. So, I mean, I can talk you to the three, the three stages. Is yeah, I'd love to hear to more about client. like these
0: kind of like um, three yeah, main types of content that, you know, businesses need to create. And, and when we talk about, is there a particular order that they need to be creating this content in or does it, it's just more about the different types
1: yeah, so it's, I, I would say that there's um, different types and there might be different orders depending on what you're doing at the time, which I can kind of address. Sure. I actually picked this up from, it's a friend of mine called Dan Moulton at the UK who's a, a marketing expert. It's, it's his thing. I picked it up of him, but now I teach it to everybody because it's so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, there's there's three main types of content. So the first one is awareness content. Um, the second one is consideration and the third one is purchase, but I'll, I'll sure. break it down for you. Sure. So aware, awareness is when these are this is kind of for the people who you know don't really know about your product or service and they're just online searching to solve their problems um so I think the thing that we all need to know is what problem does our product or service solve so to give you an example from my media diary for example Mm -hmm. my media diary it's an a4desk diary it's got key dates and awareness days that you can use to plan out your content uh it's got um planning templates so it solves Two main problems. So one, it, one it helps people who uh, struggle for ideas. So if they don't know what to post on social media, they've got all these awareness dates and it gives them ideas. The second problem it solves is the um, consistency and the planning. So I've got templates people can use to do annual, week, uh, monthly, weekly, daily planning. That's uh-huh. all in there as well. So it's really clear the problem that it solves. So the way I would start is think, okay, what what problem does my product or service solve? The kind of people who might need my diary, they don't know about my diary yet. Because yep. they don't know about me, what <laughs> yep. might they be? Ser- what, what 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 might they be searching for online? So they're probably going to be asking questions like, just like we've been talking, like, what is content? Like, yep. how often should I be publishing content? What type of content should I be publishing? Um, you know, how many times should I post on social media? Should I be on Instagram or should I be on Twitter? Um, so it's just getting inside the head of those people, and I call it like generic content—just content, just content mm-hmm. that answers, you know, questions that that somebody would have who might buy a product or service like yours, but they're not specific to your product or service. Sure. So that kind of makes sense? So mm-hmm. just general, what people are saying, you know, basically what people are Googling when people are like, ah, I can't sit to, a, I can't stick to a content plan or I can't, um, I'm trying to think of another example with audience building, like people are, generally we will be googling things like why can't i grow my instagram following or you know um like how do i grow my email list like mm-hmm. how, what kind of lead magnet should i create that kind of thing so it's starting with that sort of content so what we're creating on the podcast podcast now is you know creating content that answers questions or solves problems that your ideal customer or client has got without sort of ramming down their throat uh,
0: by my by my service yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, just being a helpful person, answering their questions, because of course, they're going to be able to find that kind of stuff in Google search. If they're searching on a podcast app, they're going to find it. Uh, and obviously, there's lots you can do to optimize it to help to help them find it more easily. Um, but that's the first. Does that kind of make sense? Just kind of answering general yeah, so it's questions. It's like, just like you're, starting at the basin,
0: you're starting at the bottom line. It's just really about bringing awareness about you, your brand, you're solving some problems. And so then you go into the second type of content, which is, I think you said, consideration content.
1: Yeah so this is when people so in the awareness phase like people are just searching online they don't care about you or your product or service they, they're just looking for a question they've got they want an answer to a question and then they yep. go oh that's interesting Angela's got a blog post or a podcast on that I listen to that then they're like oh I like Angela maybe mm-hmm. I'll listen to more so it's that kind of you know getting to know you phase then the next phase is when people are interested in your product or service but mm-hmm. they've got questions um so and and those questions they're often objections basically it's the reasons that they would buy Uh, Mm -hmm. so this is just about thinking about you know just make a list of all the questions that people ask you when they're considering whether to buy your product or service so with my diary for example people will ask um the typical things people ask is um have you got a digital version uh that you know they ask like how does it compare with other planners they ask to see inside it so I've created videos I've got loads of different videos of me showing inside it me doing it I've got I've got other I've got my clients demoing it as well uh, yep. I've got clients who've sent me videos of them using it um people will ask me um and this this is tricky sometimes it means going places that you don't necessarily want to go but I bought your diary last year and I didn't use it. Like, should I buy it again? So it's about addressing that objection. I've got a blog post, which is like what to do if you bought my diary last year and didn't use it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you might think, do I really want to promote that? But actually you can give people reassurance and you can say to them, look, just because you didn't use it last year doesn't mean you won't use it again. You know, so you can actually address that objection. Yeah. So this is, you know, your your fence sitters. So your people like, just think about all the, you know, with if you've got like a product-based business, people might ask, you know, I don't know if you sell clothes, like, you know, how do I know if it's going to be a good fit can I send it back Uh, what happens if I don't like it what's your refund policy so all of those and with coaching um we were just talking about this before we got on this call weren't we like people saying things like you know well can you guarantee me that I'll get results um Mm -hmm. you can answer that stuff really honestly and say well no because you've got to do the work but it's just thinking about all of those all those barriers all those reasons that people might have for not Buying from mm-hmm. you and then addressing them. Does that kind of make sense? So creating yeah, yeah. content that addresses it. Um and, and this is where testimonials come in actually. So okay I keep using my media diary, but it's a really good example because it's yeah, really yeah. visual. And you know, you could go over and look at my Instagram, which is Jan Murray UK, and you can see like real examples of this. But whenever somebody buys one of my diaries, because it's physical, I encourage people to send me a picture. Of, of them using it will send me a video and this is brilliant. I've got highlights in my Instagram story, which is just full of pictures people have sent me using their diary. Or, oh my god, it's arrived! I've got a lady in Australia actually who who, who did a whole video demo, demo demoing in the inside of my diary to her clients, which is which is amazing. Um, so you know you can really kind of create this this quite engaging sort of testimonial type content where you're not telling people how good your product or service is. You're you're getting people to show that you know sharing screenshots of happy customers or clients. whatever that all comes into consideration as well because it's like that that phase where people are like "Mm, should i buy from angela shouldn't i buy from angela like will i get results will i not so your testimonials are really powerful there because that your testimonials can often be the tipping point where the people decide i prefer testimonials that are uh real like you know like that that email that somebody sends you or that post in your facebook group obviously ask permission Permission. yeah 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 100 percent but I'd much rather see an authentic screenshot. I think it's much more compelling. Or that diary, the lady in Australia who sent me the diary, she just made it. She just she just put it in her story. It was brilliant. And she was showing people around my diary and saying how good it was and how she was using it. You know, that's gold dust. So that's consideration. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. Yeah,
0: so you've got the awareness, you've got the consideration content. And what's the last type of content in order to help increase those sales?
1: So the next is the purchase content. So this is when you basically uh, you you know you put a call to action and you put a link saying you know here's how to here's how to buy. Um, so this might be I find it's really interesting actually. So again, diary is just a good example because of the way it works. But um, I I don't do many posts where I just say. I, you know buy my diary here's how to buy it mm-hmm. because I find they get a lot less engagement than other types of posts yes. Um so I, I do do them but but people because because people just want to have a conversation with you do they what they, they, they want value they want you to help them uh you know with the consideration content they're having a conversation with you back and forth you know you, you're answering questions that they've got um so yeah you know you, you will need to do some content which is just straight like I've just launched this uh here's how you can buy it uh but actually that kind of content can be the least engaging. Yes. So, along that journey, what you need to also be doing is getting people involved in a conversation with you about your products and services. So, again, sorry, I'm going to mention the diary again, but it's an example. Um, yeah. But one of the things that we do um, before we, it goes on sale, usually in September, October time, is the first thing we do is we put cover choices out. So, we will publish. Um, eight cover designs and we'll ask people to vote on which is their favorite cover design and then based on what they say we whittle it down to four yep. um, so people feel feel invested they're part of it uh we might do some polls asking people like about the inner pages like you know what would you like to see changed? So you're, you're, you're kind of bringing people along on that journey with you. You're not saying buy now and you might have a little exactly. that you put on or whatever, uh, but you're getting them involved so they feel invested, part of the conversation, you're asking lots of questions. So when I'm launching a new course or program, uh, I won't just put purchase content out straight away. I might say a week or two before, I'm launching a new Instagram course. Uh, these are the topics I'm going to cover. Which one do you think is the most helpful? Or do you think there's anything I've missed here? So you're always getting your audience involved in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And that probably is more kind of awareness content because you're, you're discussing your products and services. You're asking people what they think you're getting yes. involved, but you're not necessarily getting them to buy. Yes. Um, so the purchase content actually is really interesting. It probably is the least effective <laughs> in terms of just getting those straight sales unless obviously with your purchase content, if you can put Put um, you know deadlines on it. If you can uh, give some sort of scarcity, you know. So with my diary, for example, we when we put it on on pre-order, there's a deadline by which they have to order it. And if they order it by a certain time, they get a, a, a pre-order price. They also get to choose their guaranteed choice of cover out for. You know. So there's lots of different ways that you can you can do it. But uh-huh. it is all about just thinking: where is that person on the journey? Are they ready to get this? Are they ready to make a purchase yet? Uh, uh-huh. And making sure you've all, you've always got different types of content going out so you've got some purchase content it's not all purchase content you've got some consideration you've got some awareness so that somebody who's finding you for the first time Time. is going to find something that resonates does that kind of make sense
0: yeah 100% and again that's it comes down to the beauty of you can create these these pieces of content but you're also going to need to make sure that you're being strategic about it so if you've got you know if you've got your quarter mapped out I'm assuming that you're going to want to sit down and narrow out okay week one is going to be more awareness we need to blend in some consideration then we need to do week two more some consideration. so it's so important about you know not only identifying the types of content that you need in order to increase, increase your sales but how to me from a consulting point of view is how are you tying that into the overall strategy
1: yeah, a lot of it is about timing. So people often ask me, well, how much of each type should I do? And they want me to give them like a percentage. And I'm yeah. like, well, that, it really depends. So on a time when you're launching something new, and we can talk about people who sell the same thing all, all year round in a second, because I get asked that all the time, yep. um, then you're probably going to do more purchase type content. It is going to be more salesy, get in now, you know, offer ends today. But in a time when you're not specifically launching something, uh, you're going to be possibly doing more awareness content. Mm-hmm. Um, so in those phases where you're kind of, you know, launch phase, you've got something new, you know, you're probably going to have, you know, more of a certain type. So that, it, like you say, it's about being strategic. So I sit down and I plan out my quarter. I'm not particularly organized, naturally, person, but I, I look at I look at what I'm going to be selling. That's where I start. I go, okay, so for each quarter, so in this case, you know, we're recording this in Q3, July, August, September, what am I going to be selling um, you know where where are there going to be those natural peak points where I'm gonna be maybe pushing something and mm-hmm. then I'll try and coincide a podcast episode so for example, I'm teaching a class next week on how to launch your own planner um so my podcast episode uh, comes out later in the week is about how to launch a planner exactly uh, so right. once you start to once you start to kind of identify what am I going to be selling when then you can start to build your content around it and go okay well that would be a really good time to run an awareness blog or that would be some a good time to do some consideration content because I know a lot of people are going to be asking questions um and it all starts to come together beautifully like it's like a pattern you start to see the ways that you can link things together Mm -hmm. if you're just doing your content on the hoof if you're just waking up and saying what should I do today you don't get to see those patterns the other question people ask me a lot is well what if I sell the same product or service the whole year round and what I would say to that is you shouldn't be selling it the same way the whole year round if you don't have you know most products or services have a natural peak point so even if you do something like coaching a lot of people you know they start coaching programs in January after Christmas or september it's just thinking what what are the times when people I naturally get more inquiries or uh, you know, so I've got clients, for example, who sell, um, you know, sun lounges, not, not much use for them in the UK, but like sun lounges and, yeah. and beach bags and things like that. So obviously it makes sense to do more content around those products or services in, uh, in June rather than December. Right, but exactly. people will say, you know, uh, and, and often people, until you sort of sit down and think about it, well, where, when are there times that people naturally might, might want to buy this products or service more? I'll put that on the diary and then I'll start to build the content around it. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yes, absolutely. But it comes back down to having strategy, right? You need your overall business plan strategy, you need your content marketing strategy, and then you need your sales strategy. But businesses so often I find are, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. But again, then they're just throwing things, they're overwhelmed, they're freaking out where the next dollar is coming in. So my thing is, is like, I don't know if you agree, but the sooner you can sit down, and like I said, I'm ADHD too, like, nothing's ever perfect, but I still have a skeleton model of what's happening. What I mean, what podcast needs to be recorded in order to feed into this? Like, there's a like I know what's coming, right? The, the sooner yeah. you can start doing that, even if it's not perfect, because I believe, you know, done is better than perfect, is you then start testing. Oh, I did it this well this time. I'm going to do this different this time. I'm going to do this better. Like, it's nothing's ever stays the same. I mean, the ocean never sits standstill. It's constantly moving. And I believe these three types of content that you talked about today, it's very similar because you're going to have to keep testing and moving things in order to make it fit, right? You're not just um, repeating yourself all the time. It's about understanding your audience, engaging with them and... And being able to present in front of them whether or not that's awareness content the consideration content yeah. or the purchase content uh, and meeting meeting them where they're at um, on their buying journey
1: yeah exactly and there's also no harm in having a sales message in every piece of content so I send a daily uh, email to my list which some people might say is mad I literally email my list every single day mm-hmm. and I put a sales message in every single email uh these are people who've signed up I've got about 800 of them now I've got a much bigger email list but this is a segment of my email list who've said yes I want to hear from you every day mm-hmm. I was really clear up front said I'm going to email you every day with some value with some, some tips and ideas that you know a bit of a thought for the day um but I am going to if there's something that That I product or service I've got that fits really nicely into what we're talking about I'm going to tell you about it and they've agreed to that so every day I mention something if I'm talking about a particular topic or you know Instagram or whatever I'll mention that I've got a course and I do it in my Instagram posts as well I'll often just add a little PS that says by the way you know you you can buy this thing Mm -hmm. um so it's just about but that's over years of testing and years of, of you know, like you say, not just doing it one way forever, just going, okay, that's interesting. You know, that mm-hmm. happened when I did that. Why don't I do more of that? Or that didn't work. I'll do less of that.
0: Yep. Totally. Absolutely. No, it's all, I, I believe everything in business is always about testing. Now for those listeners, cause I know we're going to start wrapping up here, Janet, for those listeners right now, they're like, okay, this is awesome. I didn't really consider these three different types of content. What's the one thing they can do today to move their content strategy forward to increase sales?
1: So the very first thing I would recommend that you do is you sit down and you look at the next quarter, like the quarter that we're in now, if you haven't done this already, and you just ask it, what am I going to be selling when? Like, it all starts with sales. And sometimes when people struggle with a content strategy, uh, I often say to them, you haven't got a content problem you've got a business problem because because they'll say to me well i can't create a content plan because i don't know what i'm going to be selling when so that's what you've got to decide first is like okay so what am i going to be selling when when am i having special offers and promotions or you know when am i launching this new thing that i'm doing get those on the diary that's the first thing mm-hmm. and you'll probably find that there's maybe i don't i think most of us probably don't launch more than one or two things a month but then yeah. you've got something to build it around and then you can start to go okay well it would make real sense for me to maybe do a blog post about a subject related to that then and then just start there but I think the key place has got us you've got to start is what am I selling what am I selling it if you don't if you don't know that you've got to go back and do that first because otherwise you'll never be able to create a content plan
0: I I agree and again you know for those of you like oh my god I have to sell I believe that selling is your responsibility it's part of your job description and you're doing a disservice right to people if you're not selling that's a whole nother podcast Jenna but that's my little tip you know right there the one final question is what do you know now in business that you wish you knew when you first started out
1: oh gosh (laughs) do you know what I'm not sure that there's um I'm not sure that there's anything in particular apart from just how long it takes to build an audience you're (laughs) always you're always building it and how you know, you you look at the outside and you see all these success stories, don't you? And you see these people who've built like a you know million pound business in what it seems to be five minutes. <laughs> but, when, <laughs> yeah. but 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 when you look behind, there's there's usually a sort of five or ten year uh, you know thing that's gone on behind it. So I think I might have been a lot kinder to myself. And I think the, the key thing I learned actually when I first got online is I would see people like Amy Porterfield or oh, was that guy who had that launch strategy, Jeff Jeff whatever Jeff Walker. And I would yeah, I would try and apply million pound business strategies to my little business that was, you know, earning a couple of thousand a month and just realizing that you can't just take a, you know, if somebody's got a massive audience and a million pound business, their strategies are not necessarily going to work for, <laughs> They're
0: going to work for so they, you.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and I made that mistake a few times in the early days, like, you know, trying to do like, you know, big million pound business strategies on my little business and just, just, just being realist, realistic about the numbers and how
0: long it would take. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today in regards to the three different types of content people should really be thinking about in order to increase their sales and that revenue for their business. But before we sign off, Janet, can you tell us uh, and the listeners, where can they find you so that they can connect with you post podcast?
1: so the best place to find me is my website which is janetmurray.co.uk but on social media instagram is where i hang out the most um i'm at Janmurrayuk and uh, that's usually the best place to connect with me come and send me a message um over on instagram
0: All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And before we sign off, please remember that my team and I will also be putting together the show notes for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And as I mentioned earlier, if you enjoy this episode, I'd love for you to share it, especially over on Instagram stories. You can tag me at Angela Henderson Consulting. Make sure to tag Janet also. You can share it wherever Janet and I don't care. And again, for the rest of you, I hope you have a beautiful day, no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the business and life conversations podcast. Thanks again, Janet. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. Www.angelahenderson.com.au.